Coming up on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, we speak with Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer about why Dwayne Bacon isn't playing the last couple of games, how he's evaluated Nick Batum, Devontae Graham, looks like a Star Wars character, and this. You know how I define clutch time. How's that? When I get that extra chicken nugget in the packet. When I order the 12-piece and I get right. 13. So That's clock time. That's, That's what that is. That's good. That's a good one. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network will go to our Tuesday expert from the Charlotte Observer, Rick Bennell, and you can find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thanks so much for the time as always. How are you? Well, I'm glad to help, guys, but I was really thinking after listening to your podcast last week or so, if I should yield my time to Rosario. And I feel bad for that one. I really <laughs> I do. That's, uh, Rick, I feel so bad. I feel so bad. We haven't called her and told her that she keeps dialing the wrong number, and she just wants this guy to call her back. I don't even know if we have another call, or, uh, call from her yet. Do we, Doug? Is she called again? We don't. I just hope she's still employed. I mean, it seems yeah, like same. that deal uh, the, the, sort of hung in the balance there. <laughs> you know, Doug, that's bad karma. I mean, the blood is on your hands. <laughs> I, I agree. It's not me. I'm just, a, I'm just a man with a voicemail. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I tried, Rick. Uh, another man that maybe not being employed as well, at least, is Dwayne Bacon, Rick. And you look at Dwayne Bacon as someone that hasn't been playing the last couple of games, despite being active for the Knicks game. He was active for the Raptors game. Didn't play against the Knicks. Did play against the Raptors, but it wasn't until garbage time. Is that injury related or is that because he was just so bad to start the season? I'm not saying that there is zero relevance to her sore knee, but guys, I think that Borrego, and and to his credit, by the way, Dwayne Bacon endorsed this when we talked to him about this the other day. I think this is, as much as anything, an opportunity for Dwayne Bacon to kind of sit down with his warm-ups on and watch the game and try to get his head back together. Um, I saw a stat the other day. I've been, I've been playing around a lot lately with the NBA advanced stats. Um, even for an old guy, I'm figuring out how to, how to do some of this stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, you and y'all you, and I have talked a lot about how dangerous it is to talk about plus minus in small sample sizes. When it becomes a larger sample size, it matters. And if you take the Hornets this season who have actually played a lot, in other words, you know, don't talk about like, you know, what happens when Jalen McDaniels has played five minutes of garbage time. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who have really played. Um, two things are really striking. One, when Devonta Graham is on the court versus off the court, it makes a huge positive difference. And so far, anyway, based on that same argument, uh, Dwayne Bacon's had a really, really bad season, guys. So when you look at Dwayne Bacon, you know, getting some of the minutes taken away from him, we saw that Nick came back into the rotation. How would you evaluate the way that he's played the last couple of games and the way that he's fit in the lineup? I didn't expect him to play this much this immediately after after um, coming back from the fracture. I think from my recollection, he played 28 minutes against the Knicks and 25 against the Raptors. Um, 
guys, we all know Nick's lightning rod for criticism, and he's never going to make he's never his performances are never going to be commensurate to what they're paying him. That is different from him not being useful. Um, Nick, I think I think the the biggest immediate value to Nick has been that they've been asking Miles Bridges to do a ton defensively um, to guard guard the other team's primary score most nights. I think that that's a rough thing for somebody to start having to do in the in the, uh, the in, immediately in a second NBA season, and I think it's really caught up to him. I think there are times when we can see that Miles Bridges is is wearing out quickly. He's he's having a difficult time. I think rationing his energy. Um, Nick is the safety valve to that. Uh, when he comes in, it's an opportunity to do some things defensively that that. Frankly, Borrego has not had the option to do. And the other thing, naturally, is, as as we've talked about in the past, um, Nick is really good at the hockey assist thing. He improves their ball movement on a team that really needs help in ball movement. Uh, Doug, I heard you say the other day on your on this podcast that you you know if he would just shoot a little more, it might make a significant difference. I very much agree with that. Rick, when you look at just the 15 games that have happened, 14 games to be exact, you know, it, it's not a large sample size, granted. But I think we had all talked about the ability of P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges to fit on the floor at the same time. Have you seen that improve? What have you made of that recently compared to what we saw at the beginning of the season? I don't think it's a problem in the here and now. I think that that's compu- there's a completely separate discussion, though, to be had with in the very long haul, are these two guys complementary or redundant? And I think we're going to need a lot more study before we can say with any confidence what the answer to that is. I will say this, and I've been saying it for a long time, and I feel really confident about this. Miles Bridges' future should not be as a small forward. All right, Rick Bennell joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back with plenty more Rick on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. That is so Stu God's form that you were about to make fun of people for their opinions of people changing their body and then mid making fun of other people doing that. You said, I will say this, though, the guy that I think his body changed. That's correct. Yeah, well, little, you're right. But little known fact about me, I have 2040 vision. So okay. um, that me I'm pretty sure. What, or is it 40, 20 vision? Whatever means that I have great like eagle eye vision. That's Eagle Eye Cherry, by the way. Great underrated band of the 90s. Save tonight. One of my favorite songs. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks again to Rick Bennell for joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Talked a little bit about Dwayne Bacon and Nick Batum, the previous segment. Want to focus a little bit more on some of the guys in the backcourt this segment. You know, Rick, I think Malik Monk, you know how much I love him. And I'm finally, I'm, I'm pleased to see that we are seeing some sort of development because the criticism certain, criticism certainly has been warranted for him in the last previous years. How optimistic, though, should we feel about Malik Monk with some of the things that he's done lately? Well, first, Walker... How many days did it take you to come down from the sugar high that not must have yet, been right? seeing seeing Malik make that shot? I mean, really. I'm not just, down. I mean, I mean, there's not a gif out there that would describe how you must have felt. <laughs> there, you're right. Uh, I, I'm still not down. I am still uh, I'm still I'm still absolutely high from that shot. 
It says a lot that I think that Malik Monk is playing very efficient basketball. Those are not words that I thought I'd be putting together in a sentence. Um, the light bulb went on, guys. He's he's realized um, how to be efficient in the NBA, and so much of that is about um, he stopped standing out there at the three-point line and started driving the ball hard. He's making people follow him. Um, free throws – Per shot attempt, I think, are an extremely important statistic in basketball that don't get enough attention. Um, as interesting as anything that has happened this season is that that guy did not take a single free throw in his first six games this season and took 20 in his next six games. Um, I think that if you if you have watched even 10 minutes of, of Hornets basketball, you know why. He has changed the way he is playing, um, it's not just that he is getting to the foul line. It's also that he is forcing people to, to guard him in a manner that is making other people um, wide open for shots. And he is finding those little pocket passes. He's playing just so much more um, maturely, so much more savvy. We've talked a lot about Devontae Graham, deservedly so. He's been very good this season. He's taken quite the leap in just one season. Rick, does Devontae Graham's leap in one year remind you of any other player you've seen in a Hornets uniform? Um, it's obviously a small sample size, but I can't, you know, there is nobody who's a great analogy. The, per, the only person who even comes to mind as far as somebody who wore the uniform is, I remember there was a year when Scott Burrell just couldn't, couldn't miss anything from three-point range where there was a span of time when he led the entire NBA in three-point percentage. Now, the time, you know, three-point percentage was not the big deal it is now. But, um, you know, Scott was, like, getting all kinds of attention from most improved player. The only, you know, the cautionary aspect of that was he regressed to the mean and became just a, you know, just your average NBA player who had a nice, you know, nice little NBA career. Um, I think Devontae's a little different because for, he may play the most important position in basketball. We're some, seeing something really interesting here. And if it's sustainable, it's going to be really fun to watch. And it's also going to be really expensive for Michael Jordan. <laughs> Rick, we talked yesterday about Marvin Williams. He, It seems like he has shown up in clutch moments for the Hornets this year, whether it's to set them up for a couple game-winning shots, whether it's to get them out of a dry, a dry spell scoring-wise. You know, how big, in your eyes, has Marvin been for this young team? I think a lot of it's about attitude, guys. Um, mm -hmm. He doesn't care. He has no ego. Um, he's happy to be in this for the ride. A couple of weeks ago, and I, and I, I can't remember the context of of what we were talking about, but I was having a conversation with Marvin at a shoot around and he said to me, you know, I still just like playing basketball. It's fun. And he said to me, I'm lucky enough that I have saved enough money over a long NBA career that I can do what I want to. And I'm doing this because I want to do it. And for no other reason, um, I think it'll be really interesting um, whether he decides to play next season, whether it's here or someplace else. Um, there, I, I know for a fact that there are going to be multiple teams that are going to be looking for him um, as, as a, you know, a Udonis Haslam kind of, you know, mature force um, second unit guy. It'll be interesting to me because he has a lot of other interests in life and his kids are getting old enough that they know when he's gone. Um I think it'll be very interesting whether he wants to continue playing because Marvin is a smart and 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 
um, versatile enough person that he doesn't need basketball and he's going to have a real interesting second act, whatever it is. Rick, one of the trends we've seen this season uh, with the Hornets is not starting quarters well. I mean, it seems like every time you turn around, they're they're giving up a 9-0 run, a 10-2 run at the beginning of quarters. Uh, any indication as to why that's happening, and and who you know who should take the blame uh, for that? I think, Doug. You know, I think that's that's reflective of, of just like a wider thing, which is that. Um, this team has has been, with the exception of Kemba of late, um, has been populated with a whole lot of people who are good enough to be on NBA rosters without being special in any way. Um, there are an awful lot of placeholders on this team. Um, I wonder how many people, for instance, I'm not necessarily talking about what they might be in three or four years, but I'm saying right here and right now, is there anybody on this roster who would be a starter on a team that aspires to advance deep in the playoffs. And I think the answer to that is no. Rick, the margins have been pretty incredible as far as when you look at the amount of points they've won by in each of these games compared to the amount of points they've lost by in each of these games. And you add them up, it's just a crazy stat. Very slim margin. They've won by a huge point, a huge margin they've lost by. Is that sustainable? Or is that about to come to a crashing halt and we're about to see just how truly bad the Hornets are? I don't think their winning percentage is going to continue to be what it is. Um, I, you know, people have asked me if I was, if I, I would readjust what I project to be their, their win total. And the reason I don't is because I didn't believe all the, the sky is falling stuff in July. I always thought it was a joke when people told me they'd, they'd win 10 games and I don't now see this as, you know, changing the dynamic. I, I always thought it was somewhere between 22 and 28. I still do. Um, the, the the thing that they should be concerned is, um, you know, they went into that Toronto game perfectly healthy. And they still got their doors blown off. Um, they, if unless you consider the Pacers a good team, and right now I would not call them that. I call them a mediocre team. Um, they haven't beaten anybody in that six and seven start. Um, I asked Borrego uh, a, about a week ago about these, you know, they, they, where they every single game they get down double digits. I said, what does that say? And I thought that he put it well when he said it means that, you know, they're having terrible problems about putting together a 48-minute game. But on the other hand, there's a resiliency and a pluck about this team. Um, I think it says good things about the future that not only are they, you know, winning games in clutch time, but they're really performing well statistically in clutch time. Um, they're, you know, that, you know, and let, let, let's just for people to know the NBA defines clutch time as any game that's, that's with a mark of less than five points in the last five minutes of a game. Their um, offensive efficiency in those situations has been off the board. I think it's because the offense is diversified and there isn't an obvious person to guard. Now, that also means you don't have Kemba Walker anymore. But I do think it says something good about the future that in the course of exploring all these young guys, they're finding people who are not afraid not only to take a big shot but to make it. Um, I thought it was real interesting when Devane told me that um, – Malik walked up to Borrego in that timeout before that game and 
lobbied hard to get the ball at the end of the game. Always great stuff from Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. Make sure you follow him on Twitter for all the Hornets coverage this season at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, we always appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And if you hear any reports about Rosario, let's them on. You'll be the first to know. I'm going <laughs> to give you the scoop, the scoop on Rosario. <laughs> we'll Bye-bye. make sure you know, Rick. Thanks again. That was Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. We'll have one more segment here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Stick with us here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. I love leftovers, by the way. Huge leftover guy. Oh, man, dinner dinner for lunch. I love that. Leftover dinner, swing it into a lunch, maybe even to a breakfast if you're feeling goosey. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Use your basketball knowledge to prove you have what it takes at mybookie.ag where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA and mybookie will match 50% of your first deposit. Listening on the go, if you can't visit mybookie right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Again, that's LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. A couple things I wanted to get to to recap what Rick Bennell said. Let's talk about Dwayne Bacon, Doug. I didn't expect Dwayne Bacon to fall out of favor this fast. I understand that his minutes were dwindling down. I mean, that's just how it was, and I could see that. I just thought it would stay right there. I didn't know they were going to be non-existent, right? Non-existent against New York. Garbage time against Toronto. I can't see. I mean, Dwayne Bacon doesn't play in that game if that's a 10-point game. You know, he just doesn't. At least that's the way it was trending. I didn't expect it to be that dramatic of a drop in minutes for Dwayne Bacon. Now, I don't expect that Borrego has completely given up on him. I'm not saying Dwayne Bacon's not going to get thrown back out there and get some run, but I didn't expect, you know, 13 games in, 12 games in. He had been really bad. We had talked about it a lot through the first 10 games of the season. I'm still surprised that it's gone from, you know, 30 to 20 to zero, right? Like that was surprising to me. And we'll see exactly when he gets thrown back out there. But man, you know, just zero run for him in any meaningful part of a game the last two contests. Yeah, I'm not terribly surprised because you and I had been going through how truly awful he was playing. And he wasn't the problem with Dwayne Bacon is that he was playing so much for himself and and by design, by the way. It's not I don't think yeah. he was necessarily a selfish player. I think the design was for to have, to have Dwayne Bacon out there to create offense for himself, okay? But the the thing is, the the Hornets coaching staff they they put a microscope on this team every day. They know the problems that exist, despite the buzzer beaters. You mentioned the number, uh, the the margin of error that this team really has been playing with. Here's the tweet from John Schumann: The Hornets have six wins this season by a total of twenty points. And they have eight <laughs> losses by a total of 128 points. So, you know, the record is what the record is. But at the same time, this Hornets staff, they know how bad that starting unit was playing. And I think, you know, this injury gave them an opportunity. They were looking for an opportunity to have. And I think they would have eventually made the change regardless when Nick Batum came back. I, I, I honestly think this is pure speculation. I have no insider knowledge. That's that's the guy we just talked to. But I think that they were looking at the Nick Batum return as an opportunity to shake things up, and it just so happened that Dwayne Bacon had the ankle injury and accelerated that a bit. 
What did you make of what Rick had to say about Miles Bridges? Maybe that kind of being a theory of his Miles Bridges having a lot of responsibility to guard the opposing best player. That's overwhelming for a player that is this young in miles. And we all knew the responsibility was going to have an uptick for a young player on a team that lost its star player. We all knew that, especially as a first round selection. What do you make of what Rick had to say about maybe toning his responsibility down even a little bit after 13, 14 games? I think overwhelmed is the perfect word to describe what we've seen out of Miles Bridges this season, just getting relentlessly back cut. There was a key play in this loss to the Raptors. It was in the beginning of that third quarter during uh, the 11-2 run that opened up that third quarter for Toronto and really extended the lead, and the Raptors would never look back. And there was a particular pick-and-roll play. Marcus Hall sets the high screen for Ananobi, who was – they were playing man-to-man at the time before they switched over to zone. And it was Miles Bridges' assignment – and he just didn't have it, man. He just didn't. He went under the screen and was just did not, you know, was not aggressive enough getting back to Ananobi and just, you know, OG nailed it right in his face. And it's just there have been just plays like that defensively for Miles this season. And maybe it is an energy thing that then leaks into his offense, but but he hasn't put it together this season. And and I think overwhelmed is just a great word to describe what's happened with him this season. And I've said it from the beginning that putting him with PJ, I think, changed a lot of the calculus. So remember, we did not expect that, right? We didn't expect PJ to start. And I think Miles didn't expect PJ to start. And we nobody saw his ascension coming this fast. And I think it's messed with a lot of things. I want to talk a little bit about what Rick had to say at the end of that interview as far as the clutch time stats being in favor of the Hornets this season compared to recent years because it had not been in the favor. I think we talked a lot about the way that Kemba operated in clutch time last season. Look, a lot of this just so happens to be the law of averages, right? This is, we look at the NBA teams and NBA teams are, it, it should be about 500 in a bunch of situ- situations, right? Where, you know, you look at the clutch time stats, the Hornets had been, just snake bitten for so long that it had to give at some point. I think there's a lot of that to this. I also think that I had a problem, just like I stated last year, with Kimba trying to drive to the basket in these game-winning situations or game-tying situations, looking for the foul and officials swallowing their whistles. I also think that Kimba, everybody would zero in on him because he's the star. This isn't just Kimba central either like this is everybody this is all the stars in the nba i think everybody zeroed in on kimba knowing he was going to take the shot and of course that proving to be not very effective i think the law of averages the way that kimba operated at the end of games are all a part of this and i also think that the unpredictability of who is going to take the last shot for the charlotte hornets right now goes into why the hornets have been a little bit more effective it's why i think A lot of people would say, a lot of people would laugh at this, right? That Golden State moved the ball very well and you didn't know who's going to take the last shot. Well, that's because they have four all-stars, right? That's because they're the best team that we've ever seen. You're right. They have a lot more talent than everyone else. That absolutely has an effect on how they're able to win close games. It also goes to the unpredictability. I'm saying if you operate where you only have Steph Curry, right? And maybe you don't put that G League team that they're sporting out there outside of Steph and all the other injured players. But let's say that you only have Steph Curry and you have four other average NBA players, maybe three other ones that can actually knock down some shots because, hello, they're in the NBA. 
I would think that that would I think that would be better than just forcing the ball into your star hands for first take and PTI and around the horn and everybody else to talk about it the next morning. Why LeBron James didn't take the last shot. If he's the true goat, then he should have taken the last shot. It's always made me furious. We, we have guys like Greg Popovich who allows Danny Green to take the last shot. Danny Green's never been the best player on his team. Why does he allow Boris Diaw to take the last shot? Why does he make those guys finals MVP candidates? Because you have a star that can do a lot of the damage, but one possession, you can be unpredictable. I think that's helped the Hornets not having Kimball Walker be the guy, the only guy that can take the last shot. And even if he gets forced to kick out to Jeremy Lamb, like maybe we saw a couple times, then that's when they were successful, right? Like that, I've always hated that from the NBA and I've never gotten why head coaches continue to just force feed it to their star player and just throw up a, a awful percentage shot. No, I think he made a, a good point about why they've been starting quarters poorly because they don't, they don't have a player that they can run the offense through that is truly dominant. They tried to do it with Devontae Graham against the Raptors in that third quarter, and he was, I mean, he was 0 for 3 from three-point range, and uh, Terry Rozier missed a bunch of shots in that third quarter too and allowed the Raptors uh, to do what the Raptors – the Raptors are a talented team, and they hit shots, and that's, you know, that's what they did against, against the Hornets, and they, they moved the ball around perfectly. They completely dissected that same zone look – they tried to throw at the New York Knicks, and it and it flustered the Knicks. And then they played the Raptors, mm-hmm. and the Raptors said, "No, listen, we won the championship. We were one of three teams to make the playoffs last season. So don't you can't throw a zone at us. That junk defense, get that out of here. Either make a shot or go home. Go back to America if you can't make a shot." That's what the Raptors said, and the Hornets uh-huh. had nothing to say. That escalated. They dis- they got destroyed by the Raptors yesterday, Doug. What were a couple of the things that you wrote in your little black notebook? Your new little black notebook about why the Hornets lost so badly. Got a great nickname for Devontae Graham. Okay, you ready for this one? Great nickname. So if anyone's ready. watching The Mandalorian right now, Baby Yoda. Okay? They kind of look alike. Go to my Twitter page, at Doug Branson LOH. I got some pictures on there. <laughs> that is so disrespectful to Devontae. If someone Hold told on. me that I look Hold like on. Baby Yoda, Hold that on. would be the biggest insult ever. No, he looks young. He's baby face. I lie. I mean, you mm. look, you know, people people say a that about me. alien with ears that pick up reception. That no, it's not that. It's not about the ears. Just go and look at the pictures. It's just, see, you always turn things into the most negative thing. That's, yeah, that's your radio, your <laughs> hot not. take radio mind. You want to go to the negative. That's your thing. My thing is positive. He has a baby face. People say that about me, that I have a baby face. I get carded at movies for R-rated movies, and people say, oh, man, that must stink. You look so young. People don't take you seriously. And I say, well, I mean, check in with me when I'm 40 years old and I look 30. Then we'll see who's laughing and who's getting carded for R-rated movies. But here's the thing. Baby Yoda and Devontae Graham, they have a lot of similarities, right? They're both young players. They were both huge surprises. If you've seen The Mandalorian, spoiler alert, huge surprise, there's a baby Yoda. And uh, they, they both uh, provide assists. Again, watch The Mandalorian. Baby Yoda, great at providing assists. <laughs> Graham, bounce passes to Bismack Biombo. We'll call Biz the Mandalorian. Biz is the Mandalorian. Devontae Graham is Baby Yoda. They're working well together. It's been a fun ride. So that's really my only analysis from the Toronto Raptors game. Biz is the Mandalorian. My God, is is this about a superhero? Who's the Mandalorian in Star? I feel like I know Star Wars pretty well. Why? Who's the? Well, this is a brand new story. We the Mandalorian has not right. existed in any other Star Wars story. Mandalorian is a bounty hunter. We don't know much about him yet. That's the whole thing. We're only two episodes in. There's a lot of mystery surrounding the origins of this Mandalorian. And he's Biz. 
<laughs> well, just because, you know, right now it's the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. They're Thank together. God. And right now I think Devontae Graham has delivered more bounce passes to Biz than he's ever gotten in his entire career. If, it's, if, if the bounty hunter is supposed to catch people and, and catching is a part of what he's supposed to do, then boy, hey, he must not be very good I, if he's compared to Biz. I'll say this. I'll say this about Devontae Graham. You can look at the three-point shooting numbers all you want, and they're incredible so far this season, but the fact that Devontae Graham turns Bismack Biombo into a decent offensive player at times, like a, a, a good offensive player, that's is all you need to know about Devontae Graham's ascension so far. I will say this real quick, though. When they went to that zone, this is something to watch for. It's it's part of, you know, JB has had to do trade-offs all season. And, and part of the trade-off with putting Devontae Graham beside Terry Rozier is that you have size issues. And during that run in the third quarter where the Raptors extended their lead, uh, they went to that zone and they just kept going to OG Ananobi or Pascal on the left wing where Devontae Graham was and just shooting right over the top of him. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's just a tough thing. Like, I mean, JB is really struggling to figure out how to defend other teams right now uh, with with both of those guys on the floor at the same time. All right. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. Also follow myself on Twitter at Walker Mail and Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H. We'll be back with you on a Wednesday. Thanks again for joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Baby Yoda. Ooh.